Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, an audio travel guide aimed to inspire you and your family to visit America's national parks and help you get the most out of your park experience. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 19.1. This is the first episode in our series on Yosemite National Park. Brian, the girls, and I talk about our unforgettable trip to this amazingly awe-inspiring place. We loved walking in the footsteps of John Muir, Theodore Roosevelt, Ansel Adams, and so many other park advocates. We are excited to share this series with you. We will cover many different topics, including a great discussion with Ranger Shelton Johnson about the Buffalo Soldiers. We also want to hear about your adventures. Do you have a story to tell about your family's experience at a national park? A favorite recommendation to share or how this podcast helped enrich your trip? Email us at hello at everybody'snps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybody'snps.com. Before I get to today's topic, I want to take a moment to talk about listener support. If you are already a patron of the podcast, Thank you so much, and feel free to skip ahead one minute to today's conversation. If you are not yet a patron and you want to hear my thoughts on this topic, here they are. This podcast is a labor of love. We were looking for a podcast that would help us in planning our family trips to national parks. We could not find one, and so we decided to create the podcast we were looking for. I ask you this question, has this podcast brought you value? If so, would you consider becoming a patron by offering financial support? Patreon is a platform that allows for recurring monthly support for as low as a dollar per month. You may find a link on our website, everybody'snationalparks.com, to support the show. Thank you to all of our patrons. Now let's get to the conversation. Okay, so I am here with Brian, and we are so excited to talk about our incredible trip to Yosemite National Park today. Hi, Brian. Hi, Danielle. Oh my God, I'm ready to talk about this. This was a bucket list park for me and has been for a long time. And uh, coincidentally, I have two other bucket list parks I've also visited in the last year, but this one was the big one that I wanted to go on with you guys. I'd never been. I'm so excited to talk about it. Where should we begin? Because this is just an amazing place. A lot of people check into the park for a day, two days. I feel like you could be there for a lifetime and still not do it all. I want to admit that this park has ran counter to some of the advice we've given on this podcast. And that's, I think, where I want to start. Because I think when we talk about planning and we talk about how we tackle this, I think that's important because this is not necessarily a park, or at least the valley, where you can just decide on a whim, let's roll in on a summer weekend and it'll be fine. It's so heavily visited, so popular, it takes some planning. And I think two things that we learned on this trip is, one, our usual advice of, you know, if you want to avoid the crowds, try the cheat and try shoulder season. You know, that's worked for us, generally speaking, in Smokies. It's worked for us in Zion, generally speaking. This one it worked for us, but man, we it was more we got lucky than it was any smart planning because we went in May. The point is there's not much of a shoulder season, right? So we went in May thinking, all right, we're there before the, the heat of the summer. Um, maybe the park would be a little bit less busy. And I, you know, I love your opinion, but one, if that park was not busy, I don't know what busy is because it seemed packed to the gills <laughs> to me. One. Yeah. And then two, the weather. We got lucky. It, it, if you remember, it was calling for rain before we got there. But when we got there, we had 75 degrees and sunny every day. I think one night there was a shower, but otherwise it was 75 degrees and sunny. Perfect, perfect weather. But the week prior was bad weather. And then the week after we left, they got snow again. So I could have seen us, if we were unlucky, thinking we're being clever and then just being you know, hosed with uh, snow in May, right? I think that's what uh, we had to contemplate a little bit. That's the tough part. And uh, look, the other part is this is a crowded park. You know, we, we thought we'd get there and not be crowded. I think what we did in fact right now is it's just going to be crowded no matter what. And we were there in May. There was a lot of school trips. So at least in Curry Village, where we were, 
there are a lot of, you know, the senior trip was to Yosemite, which we had never thought of. Of course, West Coast kids or Northern California kids, what a better place for your senior trip than head out to uh, Yosemite. So uh, it ended up being fine and we had a great time, but I feel as though this one takes some extra special thought and care in planning it out. I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. We were there in early May. We got there on May 6th. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we really <laughs> hit the lottery there. We really got lucky in our weather because it was this little splash of gorgeous spring weather in the middle of that rain, days and days of rain before we got there, and then multiple snowstorms once we left. And if you remember, which we'll get into this more when we talk about what we did, but of course, we saw that Glacier Point and Tioga Pass Trail were still closed, and we got lucky that Glacier Point opened the last day, at the day that we were leaving the valley, to head to Wawona. So we got really lucky with that. And then a few days later, it closed again because of the snowstorm. Right. There's nothing we can tell you in terms of when to plan your trip in May. We just got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. We got lucky. Look, we, we were due for some luck. We've gotten unlucky with some other weather, in particular the Smokies. This is true. But also, I think, you know, kind of going against our usual advice to try shoulder season, because there's not much of a shoulder season. Aside from our uh, one-day trip up to Glacier Point, which then closed, we basically spent our time in Yosemite either in the Yosemite Valley or Mariposa Grove. So, our usual, again, our usual advice is, hey, listen, just show some creativity. And if you want to get away from crowds, shoulder season and or, there are usually hiking trails that are pretty close by that not a lot of people are on. And you can get away from people pretty quickly. It's hard to hear because the usual spots where you can do that were closed. So Tiger Pass, Glacier Point just opened up. Uh, I'm, I'm always mispronounced this. I have a mental block with it. Tolome Meadows? I think it's Tolumne. Tolumne, you're right. Tolumne Meadows was closed. Um, and of course, the High Sierra campgrounds were closed. And this is May. So I think that's the challenge. Now, again, the Valley, there's tons of things to do. And I think the way I thought about this is, there's your usual camping trips where, you know, maybe you want to kind of get away from some people, you know, have a little peace and quiet. When we had our peace and quiet, I'll talk about one of my more sublime moments and a little hidden part of the valley I found. But I think the way I looked at this, especially staying in Curry Village, felt very much like being back at Boy Scout camp uh, or adult camp. And I mean that in the best way. Actually, the tents were exactly the same. They were canvas tents on platforms. Uh, they, these were heated tents. Our, our tents in Boy Scout camp were not heated. But you know, you woke up in the morning and what was your activity for the day? You could, you can do rock climbing. You could go swimming. You could go hiking, right? You just try to figure out what your activity was for the day, range of program. And then you go do it, it adult camp. And so that was a lot of fun. But even that, we'll get into what we did day by day. But even that, I don't want to give the impression that we were overwhelmed with people. We did, even in the valley on a beautiful day where it was crowded. Again, we were able to kind of get away. There's some little hidden pockets that I'm happy to recommend. But why don't you start, Danielle, with just listing uh, what we did on day one? And I will say, with regard to the crowds, if you're going to be in the Valley, you just have to accept it. I would say I wasn't overwhelmed by the crowds except for the day that we arrived. And once I got my bearings, they did not bother me. They did not get in the way of our enjoyment. Well, let's be old people for a second. You and I saw all those high school kids look at each other and thought, oh, my God, you know, the 16-year-old party at midnight is going to be in a tent right next to ours. And credit to Curry Village, they weren't. The high school kids were in another end of the camp. It's a massive camp. And you have some notes here about how, how many tents there are in cabins. We were at the other end where I guess they put the families. And it was actually, even though the tents are you know, next to one another, again, just like Boy Scout camp, it was fairly peaceful. It was fine. It ended up being very peaceful and, and quiet at night. For the most part, yes. yes. For the most part, agree. yes. <laughs> Am I misremembering something? Um, I think people can infer what I'm talking about, <laughs> but, you know, children listen to this podcast too. There, so, oh, that's right. um, you heard that. I slept through it, but there were some nocturnal activities we heard. Put it that way. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, that's that's as far as we go there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
let's start at the beginning, a very good place to start. First of all, we came from Mill Valley. So we came from the direction of the Bay Area. And there are a few access points to enter. We came in via the big oak flat entrance. And we had hoped to arrive early enough to do a detour to visit Hetch Hetchy before going into the valley. But of course, we're always kind of slow going. And so, you know, didn't leave as early as we'd hoped or whatever. The trip took longer. We did some stops, whatever it was. And we decided let's just head straight into the valley because we want to have enough time to get settled in, get our bearings and figure things out in daylight. So we did not get to Hetch Hetchy and it's a big park. There's a lot that we didn't get to. So we'll have to go back and explore other areas. But it is beautiful. Obviously, there's the beautiful sign right when you enter the gate. So take your requisite picture there. Unfortunately, the kids were sleeping. So I took the picture by myself. But then the ride in, take your time a little bit. We were a little bit rushed, but I did make you stop a few times to check out some overlooks, waterfalls. It's just stunning. So really enjoy the ride into the valley and build in some time to pull over safely and carefully where you're supposed to park and take some photos or just enjoy the gorgeous scenery. That is one thing I will say. Once we arrived into the valley, it was stunning And you can see Yosemite Falls as you're driving. So many different vantage points. I had no idea. I was just taking photos outside the window because I was just so in awe. And I didn't realize I would be seeing it all a million times throughout the week. But (laughs) it was fun anyway. But then it's overwhelming. So many people and so many cars and trying to figure out where to go. So what we did was we headed straight to the visitor center. So we just followed the signs for the visitor center. Parking, people say, if you're going to be driving, get to the park as early as possible. Otherwise, by 9 o'clock, especially in the summer by 9 o'clock, the lots are full. In May, maybe you have a little bit more of a cushion there. We were there in the afternoon. I don't know what time it was, probably in the 2-ish area. And so what we did, and this is a tip is go around to the camp store, the general store, and there's a 20-minute parking limit there. And then you can walk through the store. You turn right, walk about 400 feet up to the visitor center. And we went in there to you know, talk with a ranger and kind of get a lay of the land and go over what we had planned and get their thoughts. So that's what we did. And then after that, we headed over to Curry Village, which when we were there was called Half Dome Village. And I'll mention that later when I talk more about lodging this change in names. But anyway, good news is that the original names are back. There was a court settlement with the dispute. Yes, I just read that as I was preparing our notes and preparing for our conversation today. So you'll be pleased to know that the Awani is back to the Awani. It's no longer the Majestic Hotel. Curry Village is back to its original name instead of Half Dome Village, and Big Trees Lodge is back to its name of the Wawona Hotel. So that was really nice to see. But those were not the names when we were there a few months ago. You know, so then we checked into and got our uh, our tent. We chose to go with a heated tent, which was a good move at that time because it was pretty chilly at night. And it's a canvas tent. And there's, you know, a few different options, but it is the most popular lodging spot inside Yosemite Valley. After that, once we were settled, I don't know when we ate or anything, but we decided to get out and explore. So we took a walk to Mirror Lake, which is beautiful. The one thing I would note is that, well, we were taking our time and stuff but it it was starting to get dark on our way back. So we were hustling a bit to uh, get back where we could see easily before it really got dark. There were people on that walk, but it wasn't jammed. It was just a, a few couples and families here and there. And uh, so that was a nice way after, because you're right. When we arrived, it was a little intimidating seeing all the cars and all the parking lots taken up. You and I worried about the high school kids. That walk was a good clear the decks walk because... It was very familiar, like, all right, I'm in a national park, I'm on a trail, it's not far from our 
big campsite, but there's only a half a dozen people, maybe a little bit more, on this couple-mile trail. That was very familiar, and it was a nice way to kind of get introduced to the park. Should we talk about one of the advantages of being there in the spring was all the park's water features were turned on like a spigot. And so all the waterfalls were out in full blast, and Merced was, was pretty full, and that was really nice to see as a backdrop. Yeah, the springtime and seeing the waterfalls is really stunning. And there was a lot of snow this winter. So those waterfalls, you know, typically many of the waterfalls are dried up by July or down to a trickle. And this summer they were going pretty full for quite a while. I don't know what it's like right now, but um, in the fall, they're, they're typically, most of them are dry that don't flow all year round. Well, speaking of fall, should we talk about our next day at Bernal Falls and Nevada Falls? Oh, this was, this is still, I think about it and I just have to pinch myself. It was so stunning. If there's any time to kind of test your kids and really go beyond what you think is their limits, this is it. And we did just that on our hike. I don't think we had committed to going to Nevada Falls. So you start at Vernal Falls and then you head up to Nevada Falls. We committed to Vernal Falls and then we were like, oh, we'll just, we'll just see what happens. And we kept going and it was so, so worth it. So we were so proud of our kids. This was their first real long and strenuous hike. Yeah. Seven miles. And with the first half is nothing but elevation gain. So we got to the trailhead. Early, but not that early. I think we were there a little before eight. And really in summer when things are as crowded as as can be, you should try to get there before seven. Eight, I thought was perfect for us in early May. There were a couple of people there, but not too bad at all. And as we kept going, and then it obviously got more crowded. And we did not take the shuttle. We walked from Curry Village It's less than a mile to the trailhead. Then we walk up and headed up the Mist Trail to Verna Falls. And we continued up the Mist Trail to Nevada Falls. And then we came down the John Muir Trail, which I highly recommend, rather than going back down the Mist Trail, which is very steep. And when you get close to the falls, especially Vernal Falls, it's very slippery. You will get wet. Yeah. Let me repeat, you will get wet. You will get soaked, 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 soaked. So we were prepared. We had rain pants and rain jackets. And I had a rain cover for my day pack. And my camera, it's kind of old. I did not, I tucked it into my rain jacket and didn't even want to take it out. My phone I did use and unfortunately water got into it. So then I had, then it was blurry. in one of the lenses for the rest of the walk, but eventually dried up. So I had it for the rest of our visit. The views going up the mist trail, you can do an easier if you, you know, are not able to do this 1000 feet elevation gain to Vernal Falls. You can stop at the bridge with this overlook of the falls and it's really beautiful and still very rewarding. So you can do that. That is an option. So if you're just doing Vernal Falls, it's three miles round trip on the Mist Trail. If you're doing Nevada Falls, it's seven miles round trip on the Mist Trail. And as I said, we decided to come down the John Muir Trail instead, and it still came to about seven miles. So we should say that this is a very popular hike. This is a combination of a few hikes, but these trails are all pretty popular. You know, it's fine and, and it's popular for a reason because it is spectacular and you get a real feel of the park and hiking around and through the falls is great and it's a great workout. But they're pretty popular. There are people around and, um, yeah, it's just part of the fun. But this is not a, a hidden hike by any means. But it's unforgettable. The waterfalls are just, they're really spectacular. And along the trail, even before you get to the first waterfall, Every turn, every curve is just another spectacular, stunning view, whether you're seeing falls or seeing the granite walls. It's just stunning every step of the way. Yeah. And again, all credit to the kids. They really enjoyed it. And uh, this was kind 
kind of the, one of the big ones. So I, I think they broke through and we can start giving them some of the more uh, tougher hikes. So they did a great job. And for hiking time, depending on what you're doing, whether you're just doing Vernal Falls or doing the whole thing, they say two to five hours. I think for us, it was about seven or maybe even eight. Do you know exactly how much time it took us? No, it was a long, it was around seven, but we, we stopped a lot. We stopped for, we stopped a lot for pictures. We met up with friends, which was awesome. We could have done it much quicker. We just chose to really take our time. We were extreme. It, it should take a lot shorter than that. But I highly recommend taking a whole day for it because there's just so much to look at, so much to enjoy. Why rush and take it all in? And I want to talk just briefly about Vernal Falls, but when we got to the top of Nevada Falls, it's this large area. That in itself is just a cool area to explore a little bit, look around and enjoy. Perfect for a picnic. There are bathrooms up there, by the way. You know, I wouldn't want to rush through it. Just take a look take one photo and turn around. I was really happy that we spent a while up there. I would say we were up there for an hour between enjoying, looking around, resting, and then uh, bumping into friends. So when you get to Vernal Falls, we could see people get wet. We could see the area wet. So we just stopped. We found a dry spot to stop along the way and put on our rain gear it is very slippery. There are many, many steps. They're very steep steps that are built into the cliffside that you have to climb up. And so that spot is, you know, you really have to be careful, hold hands, watch out for your kids, or, you know, if you have trouble with your knees or anything like that, just watch your footing. And plenty of water. Bring plenty of water. Bring water to drink. Yes. If I remember correctly, there's Water spigot where the shuttle lets let you off. And I think that's it. I think there was one at the bridge, too. I don't, but I trust you. So point is, just bring plenty of water because that can be a hot hike with that elevation. And you're in and out of woods. You're in and out of shadow of the side of the mountain. But sometimes you're in direct sun for a while. So bring plenty of water. Make sure that you turn around and see the rainbow. If you have a sunny day, you will see a rainbow looking away from Vernal Falls with the spray. And that is just stunning and beautiful. And then this would be your turning point to head back down, or you can continue climbing up to Nevada Falls, which again, I just can't say enough good things. It was so spectacular. We had our picnic up there as we were about to leave, walking in the wrong direction, mind you. We bumped into our friend, Becky Lomax, who, if you've been listening to this podcast, you may remember her from episode 14. She wrote the guidebook, one of our favorite guidebooks about national parks, the Moon Guidebook, USA National Parks, the complete guide to all 59 parks. So it was just really fun. We kept bumping into her throughout our stay in Yosemite and our kids just absolutely loved her. So we had a lot of fun. Just as a a little plug, I met Becky online on Twitter. There's a Twitter chat called hashtag park chat. That's every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And so if you are just really enthusiastic about national parks and like having a interesting conversation about the parks once a week, check it out on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. So that was a great day. And it was also after being cooped up and traveling and all that, it was a great way to stretch your legs and get a lot of good exercise. You know, I was so proud of both of our kids. At the time, they were six and nine. And our youngest, I think, will be a really incredible rock climber one day (laughs) because she was just finding rocks to climb everywhere all all throughout the hike, especially when we were coming down the Jamir Trail. And then, of course, we had an impromptu snowball fight, which is also fun when it's 75 degrees and you're hot. And then there's like this huge mound of snow because it's in a little shady spot. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was all and those were all the things we were doing to, to make sure the kids stayed focused. But they really didn't need it. They were really excited for the hike and they were really excited to see everything. They were excited for Yosemite as excited as we were, I thought. At the end... The last, the last stretch, I mean, you could really see the final stretch, you know, had to keep encouraging them to keep moving and just, we could see it. We could even see the shuttle stop. 
And we did take the shuttle back and there was a huge line for the shuttle back. But, you know, it was worth the wait because the kids' legs just couldn't go anymore. (laughs) Right. So we had a, a more docile day the next day. So day three, we started out the day doing a guided bird walk in Cook's Meadow, which was a nice way to start the morning. And then we rented bikes. We rented bikes from the Yosemite Valley Lodge and rode over to Happy Isles. I don't know if this is a hidden gem. I would say it was because it really wasn't crowded and it's just a really neat spot. So we went over there because we saw in the newspaper that there was a children's art in nature activity and our kids love that kind of stuff. So we went over there for that. And there's this area called the Fen. So the Fen is unique in that it stays wet for enough time each year to form peat. It's kind of this wetland and there's boardwalks that you have to walk on to protect your feet and also protect the very fragile ground underneath. So they had the nature program in the Fen and we were able to leave them and just go explore a little bit on our own near there while they did this watercolor plant program there. And um, I know this is one of your favorite spots. Do you want to talk about why you loved the Fen so much? Well, just going back to Yosemite Valley, seemingly pretty busy. Uh, we had a, the hike the day before, which was great, but it was a busy hike. There were plenty of people. This, even though it's by Happy Isles and it's near the trailhead for that hike, it seems not many people use the nature center that's down there. Only a few people were in there. And then you all did the art class, which was just a few kids doing it. And while you were doing the art class, which was also in the woods and very peaceful, I walked down to the fen. There's nobody there. And it's not swampy in that uncomfortable, sticky, buggy sense. It was spring. Uh, there was a, a bubbling brook kind of going underneath that boardwalk. We were in the valley. There are the uh, waterfalls around us. And I just kind of sat down and that was maybe one or two people walked by. But otherwise, it was just by ourselves. So this little hidden spot. Then later, we, we all of us had lunch there later. And it was just one of my favorite memories from our week was that spot and just sitting there. And usually I'm the guy that my favorite part of a trip is some big hike that we do and, and, you know, getting the heart rate up and getting the endorphins going. But in this case, it was just sitting quietly while you guys were doing the art class and just having the majesty of the park surrounding me, not only visually, but every other sense seemingly was, uh, was engaged. And it just really felt as though we were on vacation I had made it to Yosemite, and this is exactly what I imagined. And again, the weather was picture perfect. So that was my favorite part of our trip. I recommend it. There wasn't many people there, and it's not hard to get to at all. So it is. Uh, it was kind of stunning that it's kind of an out-of-the-way place, kind of in the middle of something that should be more heavily trafficked. Right. And also easy walking trails there. And you can easily push a stroller or a wheelchair or the like. The fen is just lush in the springtime, lush green and incredible birds, colorful, just beautiful. So it was really, really nice. There was a moment after we finished eating, I think all of us (laughs) laid back and closed our eyes. Maybe some people even took a little snooze and just listened to the sounds. Yeah. Again, it's a, a recommended spot that's really not hard to get to and away from the hustle and bustle. And then that's truly, for me, what Yosemite Valley was in my imagination was there in the fen. And we continued to walk around Happy Isles, which is a collection of a couple of islands, a pair of islands in the Merced River. And that is also super cool to walk across the little bridges and around the islands with this river roaring around you. I really, really liked that, too. Yeah. And then the Nature Center is a really nice exhibit as well. It has nice stuff in there to take a look. All right there. So that easily could be just a morning or an afternoon and a very relaxing one. So, and I'm glad you guys got to do the art class. You guys seem to have done well there. And biking around was great. I would say almost that the, the loops and the, and the park were almost built for bikes in some ways. It's obviously there's, it's built for car traffic, but having a bike was a great way to get some exercise and get around. And you go from one feature to the other, from the meadow, the falls to a hotel, 
back to uh, you know, something like Happy Isles pretty quickly. So we all enjoyed kind of rolling around and, and doing that. Yeah, I would guess probably that when we asked the kids what their favorite, that that would be my guess was the bike riding because, well, first of all, it was our first ever family bike ride where all four of us were biking at the same time. Sort of. <laughs> and we were able to get uh, tandem. That's why I said sort of because I was with my youngest and uh, I don't know how much pedaling she was doing in the back, but we uh, we had a lot of fun and it was, it was a great way to get around. Yeah. Again, can't stress enough. Definitely rent the bikes. You can stop and see things so easily. So we went to Yosemite Falls after that. We just parked our bikes and and checked out Yosemite Falls where you'll also get wet. So you want to know what we did the next day? Yeah. So I started out the day I ditched you guys and went and did the Ansel Adams photo walk through the Ansel Adams gallery that I signed up for with the photographer was named Dylan and he was fabulous. This was an hour and a half free walk. And I learned a lot in that short amount of time. And he gave some great tips, photography tips. One tip that I recall is that whenever you see those information signs in the park, they're placed at good photo opportunities. So if you see one of those signs, take a look, set your camera there, and you'll be getting a very beautiful scenic photo. So that was a good tip. That day, you checked out of Curry Village, packed up our stuff because we were moving on to another lodging that night. We met up again for bike riding. So we rented bikes again at Yosemite Valley Lodge. We asked the kids what they wanted to do. They wanted to go bike riding. So that's what we did. But we checked out new things that we hadn't done the day before. So we continued on our ride. I think actually the day before when we were heading to Happy Isles, do you remember the highlight of your ride? You and our youngest, what did you guys see in the field? Oh, we saw a bear. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. A cinnamon bear. I was not so lucky. That was our one bear sighting. It was uh, yeah, a bear, a black bear, but it, it, you know, as many people know, we've learned black bears come in different colors. And this one was more of a <laughs> redhead. It was a, more of a cinnamon bear. So we got to see that. I forgot about that. Right. So we did our another ride, and we were curious to see what the Yosemite Conservation Heritage Center is. And so we checked that out. That is the Sierra Club's home in Yosemite. There's some nice exhibits in there. There's volunteers and people to talk to. It's an education center. They have some crafts and things for kids. They ask kids to do drawings and coloring of of Yosemite and they keep it in binders. So if you come back at a future trip, you could look up what your kid did on your last visit. So that's kind of neat to see. And then we crossed the street to check out another place we were curious about. We kept seeing signs for the housekeeping camp and we kept wondering, what is the housekeeping camp? So it's just another place for another lodging location. But there's this little beach that's on the river it's a sandy beach, great spot for a picnic, and uh, gorgeous, stunning views of Yosemite Falls and Half Dome. So we hung out and just relaxed there for a while. That was a nice spot, and you can imagine if it's warmer, putting in the old inflatable tube there and floating down the Merced. That would be uh, that wouldn't be bad as well. Yeah. So we continued on our bike ride, and we headed around back over the swinging bridge, and ended up back at the visitor center because while well, rain was coming, the weather was starting to turn. So we checked out the museum exhibits there. And then we checked out the Ken Burns film there on Yosemite, which was great, of course. And there are two films that you can see there. That's the one that we saw. And then after that, we ran into Becky again, which was fun. And then we headed over to, I'll let you share this because this was your thing. You were so excited about where we were going and staying that night. Well, yeah, just because I'm a lodge junkie, obviously the queen of all the lodges, one would argue, is the Amahani. I had booked this and it was a bit of a splurge. But after uh, you know camping a bit in the Curry Camp Village, I thought having a night at the Amahani would be special for all of us, but really it was you know special for me. So a place I've always wanted to stay and see how it is. And it was everything. Uh, you know, it wasn't cheap, but it was everything I would imagine. It, it definitely had that 1920s splendor 
to it. They've done a great job about maintaining that kind of old-fashioned charm. So the hotel rooms are, I think, fairly basic. But I think what was beautiful is obviously the views and then the rest of the hotel, the lobby, uh, the sitting room, the, the great room and all that, I think, is really what you're paying for. So I thought that was well worth it. So you did a little tour. We did the fireside chat, which was very relaxing, and we had a few cocktails. And then we had a um, a great dinner, which we actually packed some nice clothes to wear. So everyone had a nice hot shower and got cleaned up. And I think we all of us looked rather elegant uh, for our dinner. Again, the prices are uh, are not cheap, but again, this was a splurge. It was vacation, something I've always wanted to do. I think everyone looked great. And the food was actually really good. So I really recommend it if you can do it. Uh, you don't have to do it to have a great Yosemite experience. But if you can do it at the Awahani for a night, it was really comfortable. Uh, it was really relaxing. And there is a pool. And our kids were the only kids, the only people that wanted to jump in the pool because it was getting a little cool. A storm had just kind of come through, a shower. But they wanted to go in the pool. And it was heated, if I remembered. So it was actually kind of nice. So we kind of used all the facilities on the campus. and. The next morning, we got up and we had a brunch. Again, not cheap, but again, on vacation, a bit of a splurge. So that was our Awahani experience. Now, sandwiched around Awani, we did a nighttime hike, I guess, uh, that was real stargazing and a little bit of a introduction to constellations and stargazing. So also given by the same fellow who did our fireside chat. So it was nice to see him again. And by hike... It wasn't much of a walk. We just met on one spot, walked to the meadow, walked around to a couple other spots. But it was really just telling stories, telling stories about Native peoples and, and how they looked at the stars, how other people looked at the stars. We identified some stars, uh, talked a little bit about astronomy, but it was a great night. And as you can imagine, Yosemite Valley is a great place for stargazing, although you only see a sliver because it is a valley. And... Uh, those granite walls kind of really uh, block out a, a lot of the whole canopy of the sky. But uh, we got to see a big piece of it, and, uh, a little bit of the Milky Way, and that was a great night as well. And the kids enjoyed that too. Yeah, if you remember, it was a little cloudy too. And so he offered, his name was Nate with the Yosemite Conservancy, and he offered anyone could, you know, bail out and get a refund. And I think maybe one person did, but otherwise everyone else stayed. And it was so worth it because he was such an incredible storyteller. The kids loved it. The stories, they totally retained them and talked about them later on during the week. And talking about stars and beliefs from all different cultures, all different perspectives. So it was very interesting. And just to be clear, the fireside chat of the Awahani was free and open to anybody. You don't have to stay there. And by the way, it's another just general point. You don't have to be staying at the hotel to enjoy any of their activities or to walk around or to get a drink if you just want to see it. It's a great bar. And it's a great thing to do late in the afternoon and do some people watching. Yeah, you should definitely go see it just to see it. Yeah. The stargazing did cost and we did have to register for that. Right. But yeah, that was a great day and a, and a nice way to tie off the end of our valley trip because from there we uh, left, took our time and went to Mariposa Grove. So should, do you want to talk a little bit about, about that? So we made a lot of stops along the way. Very worth it. Our first stop was to El Capitan to see the climbers, which is just so cool. It's also neat during the stargazing program to look up at the mountain and you can see the lights glowing from the people who are camping out overnight on the side of the mountain. It's pretty incredible. One thing Becky recommended, which we didn't get to do, but she did this, I think, every night that she was in the park. She would pack a picnic and go to the meadow by El Capitan, you know, around sunset to watch the climbers, which is pretty cool. And I think one, her last night, she went to Tunnel View at sunset, which we were just too tired every day after all of our activities. So we went to El Capitan. It was recommended to us to park at the Triangle past the parking lot for El Cap. We ended up just parking in the parking lot. We were told it was the best view by that Triangle. But we parked in the parking lot and we hiked the trail a little bit. And you can hike to the base of it, which is kind of neat to go and touch El Capitan. But our kids were a little cranky. We continued on to Bridal Veil Falls, 
which you actually get the best view from the parking lot. So if you're short on time and that's all you want to do, just circle around the parking lot. You've seen it and you can keep going. We walked up a little bit and you get really wet. And I just felt like the view, it was better to walk below and kind of pass. There's a path and then you could see it nicely from there also and not get wet. Then we continued on to tunnel view, which is just phenomenal. So gorgeous where you see Bridal Veil Falls, you see Half Dome. This is kind of a classic iconic picture that if you've seen pictures of Yosemite, you've seen a picture of tunnel view. And then we circled around to Glacier Point because the road just opened that day, which we were so lucky for that. What was a little bit sad was as you're, as you're driving there, you can see the remains of the big fire that happened last year, 2018. And just so much was burnt down from that and um, the scars and everything. So that was a little eerie to see and just to see how close it is to the valley. And got to the point, if you are there when it's opened, you must go to Glacier Point. If you can go at sunset, I'm sure it's phenomenal. We didn't get to do that, but any time of day, it is just stunning. Stunning. That's all I can say. You can see everything. Yeah, you see the whole valley, and there's a little bit of infrastructure. There's a little bit of a hiking trail. There's actually a concessionaire, gift shop, basic food, bathroom. So it's not it's not that rugged. And you can go in this little bit of a walk, not even a hike, paved, to get to where you need to go for the viewing. And it's well worth it. Also, what was intriguing is on the way up there, there were a lot of other side trails that seemed like they can wind through the forest and end up at Glacier Point or elsewhere, they were all still closed. There was still snow down on those trails, but they also, in the middle of summer, looked like an intriguing place to do a little bit of uh, backcountry hiking. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Glacier Point, and I like the fact we were wrapping this all. It was a transit day. Usually transit days are kind of dead days and boring, but I'm glad we were able to wrap this all in on our way to our next location. Which was Wawona, and we stayed at the Wawona Hotel. I just loved this spot. Yeah. It felt a little bit like the Catskills in the 1950s. <laughs> That's kind of the feeling yeah, I got. Yeah. And a theme all throughout, I think, was that I kind of felt like we were retracing steps and living in the shadows of the earliest visitors, including John Muir himself in late 19th century at the beginning of the park staying at the camp in Camp Curry and then in the Wawona Hotel. That evening, we saw Tom Bob, the musician and historian, playing in a piano lounge. He is fabulous. If you have the opportunity to see him, he plays most nights. I think it's like Tuesday through Saturday or something like that. And the next night, we saw him as well. That first night, I talked to him. I asked him if he would do something with history. And I don't know why, but he didn't want to that night. But he did it the next night. He has this slideshow of classic pictures and he sings along and also tells stories. And it's phenomenal. You can request that. So if you request that early on, he'll build that in. And he said he usually does it around like 8 p.m. But he starts from 5.30 to 9, I think it is. You got to hear his voice. It was just so enjoyable. That first night that we saw him, he was just playing music and it was still really great. And he takes requests and stuff. It was very fun. Yeah, you're right. It, just to describe the hotel, it was very fun to stay there. But it was like the you said the castle from the 50s. And I was thinking he showed the pictures from Yosemite from 100 years ago. Uh, it really felt like it hadn't been that much updated. Our rooms were a little small. You know, they're different buildings with all of which have a porch smallish rooms. We had to share a bathroom, but that was all in good fun. It just was a staying at a historical hotel with this very homey feeling to it. And again, along the line of being at adult camp, uh, there is a visitor center there that we were able to check in right next to the uh, hotel. We were able to check in and talk about some of our activities. And uh, the kids were able to meet the rangers and get uh, junior ranger books. But there's also a golf course uh, across the street, which is run by the concessionaire, run by the hotel. Again, it's also a 
bit of a homely golf course, but it was kind of nice. We went out there and knocked a few balls around just so we can say we played golf at Yosemite National Park. <laughs> so it's kind of an amazing golf course that that it even exists, but it was, it was just fun to be there. And again, felt, you're right. felt like the Catskills in the fifties or something along those lines. So it was a very nice spot to stay. I, I, I really recommend it. Uh, and it's a great gateway to Mariposa Grove, but that was the next part of our trip was Mariposa Grove. So do you want to talk a little bit about how we attacked those giant sequoias and some of the things that we did? Yeah. So at the visitor center the day before we met park ranger, Lindsay Sweet, and she told us she would be leading a walk the next day at 10 a.m. So we planned getting there in time for that. She was great. We absolutely adored her. We learned so much. The kids learned so much. And I was so amazed. You know, really, every time we do one of these guided ranger walks, the kids always ask the best questions. They're so interesting, the things that they ask. You know, the walk is short. You're not walking very far, but she stops along the way and talks all about the trees. And after the walk, we ended up hiking up to the upper grove. And so I think we ended up doing a seven mile hike with the kids. And we learned, yeah, you know, so many facts about the trees, just really interesting stuff. Obviously, seeing the sequoias is a great way to cap off your trip where you're seeing water and the valley and then to contrast that with some of the biggest things, biggest living things uh, on earth was amazing to see. And it's, uh, those paths were well-maintained and uh, we love the ranger programs, but also being on the hike by ourselves and walking through the groves was also very relaxing, and very peaceful. It's generally speaking something that a lot of people also want to see, but it's spread out enough and there's enough to see that I didn't feel like that was pretty crowded. And I felt it felt great to enjoy that with a lot of the other visitors there. And, you know, we met that family from South America, which was nice to see them enjoying the park. Yeah, that was fun. And our kids work on their Spanish a little bit. And so that was a lot of fun. You know, I enjoyed Mariposa Grove. I guess I would say, is, man, the valley is so nice, but it would be a shame you're not that far from the Grove. And to skip the Grove, if it is your once-in-a-lifetime trip, really would be a shame. Now, if you live nearby or you tend to go several times, I guess you can break it up, but figure out a way to bolt on Mariposa Grove to your visit to Yosemite if you're just thinking about the valley. Wouldn't you recommend that? Absolutely. And you could totally do just, you know, go for the day from the valley. You don't necessarily need to stay in Wawona to visit the Grove. One thing to note is that I don't know if you remember this, Brian, but it was super crowded as we were leaving and more people were coming. And I know once the last shuttle leaves, then you just need to hike back to the parking lot. You have to drive to a parking lot, then you take a shuttle to the Grove. So if you missed that, and I couldn't believe how many people were there. And what we discovered was that day was the Yosemite half marathon. So when you're scheduling your trip, you may want to look that up and check the dates of that and plan accordingly because that might be another reason why a lot of people do this and then plan perhaps a week's vacation or at least a several-day vacation around it as well. So there's more people in the park probably for that reason. But that day, I was also so grateful that we were not in the valley that day. (laughs) But we had no idea. We had no idea. Yeah, that worked out. To wrap up, Danielle, I wanted to ask you this question. I have not asked you this question before, but when we return to Yosemite, what's something different that you would want to do that we didn't do this last go around? What comes to mind, I I would like to see Hetch Hetchy, just because we talked about, I think we talked about Hetch Hetchy with Ken Burns. So I'd like to see that with my own eyes. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. And a family rock climbing class would be amazing. And somehow the High Sierras, doing something in the High Sierras would be cool. And Tulumne Meadows looks amazing. So there's a lot to cover. (laughs) There's a lot to cover. You stole mine, which is, and I'm trying every year, which is the High Sierra camps, which there's a lottery. And you can do those in three, five, or seven days increments with a horse, on horseback, on foot, ranger-led. But these are when you hike from camp to camp with basically a day pack. And at each camp, there are canvas tents set up for you, bunks set up for you, food is ready for you, food in the morning. They're very, very much oversubscribed. I've tried, you know, four or five times 
and have enlisted friends to try for the same time period, and we've never gotten it. But that's something I want to do is the high Sierra camps. But everything you mentioned, I want to do as well. So I think that's a, also a general theme of we waited to go to Yosemite. It was it was kind of at the top of our list, but it's really hard just to go to Yosemite once and say, well, we've done it. I really feel as though uh, I'd love to go back and probably can go back and again and again and uh, have different experiences each time. Absolutely. I'd love to also do a, like a real photography class through the Ansel Adams Gallery, I think would be super cool. But there are so many things to do there. So we will get back there someday. I also do wonder, is there a way to visit the High Sierras without doing what you described? Well, sure. Oh, you can. I mean, there are backcountry campsites there. So just getting your backcountry permit and getting on out, you can go do it. Just this High Sierra camp seems cool and singular. It'd be fun to do. But no, sure, you can get out in the High Sierras in the summertime. As long as long it's open, you get your backcountry permit, and you're up for some backcountry camping. Right. I guess that's how I'd modify it. I would love to get into the High Sierras regardless. The High Sierra camps are kind of fancy, and so I, w- I would love to try that out if I can uh, win the lottery. But otherwise, I would just love to get into the backcountry of Yosemite and buttress that around spending time in the valley would be uh, amazing, right? To have a, the best of, of all worlds. Uh, yes. I mean, there's so many places we want to visit, but we will definitely get back there sometime. Yeah. Well, it's fun reliving this with you. You know, going through this, so I was going through my pictures. I'll, I'll end on this because I made this joke the other night. There is a picture of our kids back to the camera. I took it, and I'm not a good photographer. Back to the camera, arm in arm, looking at Yosemite Falls, I believe. And they're in the meadow. The joke I made, it looks as though I took my kids. I don't know. No one does this anymore. But in the old days where you would take your kids to Sears for a family picture, <laughs> and they would have the fake backdrop. It looks almost made up that there's a fake backdrop and we have our kid at Sears, but it's, it's not. It's the actual photo and it's, it's almost too hard to believe. Uh, and again, it has nothing to do with my photography skills. It's just that's how beautiful it is everywhere. So I'll carry that memory with me for a long time, but uh, it was fun going over this with you. Well, we'll see. Maybe, uh, I don't know if we need to do a bonus episode on this because there's just so much more to talk about. But um, I think we did a pretty good job here. I think so, too. I'm here now with my youngest daughter to reminisce about our trip to Yosemite National Park. Hi there. Thank you for joining me. Hi. So Yosemite was such a spectacular trip. And we were talking before we started recording about some of your favorite memories And one of the favorite things that you loved on our trip was the night skies program when we went out and looked at the stars late at night. Do you want to tell us some of the stories, some of the things that you remember from that? So the story that I remember was why does the constellation that are a bear have long tails? Yeah, I don't remember. What what is the reason for that? Because the person who threw them in the sky took them by the tail and threw him up to the sky. <laughs> so that is one theory. So Mr. Nate, who led us on that night sky gazing tour, he told us a lot of different stories and from a lot of different cultures, right? So that was one story that he told that was the belief in some culture. I don't remember which one. So another thing we talked about was... The very long hike that we did together, that long hike up to Vernal Falls and Nevada Falls. Now, what did you want to share about that? It was the, like, longest hike I ever did. Were you tired? Yes, I could not feel my feet. By the end? I was walking on my ankles. Like, seriously. It felt like I was walking on my ankles. What were some of your highlights from that hike? I have some memories of watching you do that hike. Oh, I was with my dad, and I was, like, basically climbing for the shortcuts. Because I didn't want to walk because my feet were hurting, so I'd rather climb. Yeah, that's something that you want to do someday, right? Do rock climbing? Yeah. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. So what kind of wintry game did you do? Snowball fight! Snowball. Yeah, you did snowball fights. There was a lot of snow along the way. 
Now with joke from me. Okay, you're gonna tell us a joke. What happens when water trips over? I don't know what. Waterfalls. Good one. Nice. I like that, and goes along with our theme talking about Nevada Falls and、uh, Vernal Falls. Well timed. Very good. Oh, I also have another joke. You have another joke. What do you call a rainbow with no colors? I don't know what. A blank bow. <laughs> a blank bow. <laughs> nice. Good job. And we did see some colorful rainbows on our hike, right? Yeah. We did. That was nice. They're cool. Great. So I like that rainbow joke. You wanted to tell us about a special rainbow that you saw. I saw, like, is either. A triple rainbow or a double rainbow. One of those. A double rainbow. I think we saw a double rainbow when we were at Vernal Falls. That's really beautiful. It's a double or a triple. I don't know which one. I really think it's a.、Triple. Well, it depends on if you saw two or three. I think we saw two, so that would be double rainbow. So you really enjoyed listening to the musician Tom Bop at the. Uh, Wawona Hotel, the pianist and historian. What did you want to share about that? I wanted to share about. I really like his songs and Mary Poppins songs. But the thing I liked the most was he played Hedge Hedge, and I also liked the video. It was like a clip or something. It was so cool. It was about people. Sledding on tops of garbage cans, skiing, ice skating, have costume parades. It was so cool. Things I can't do now. Right. So he was showing us a film that he put together with old pictures and old videos from the turn of the century in the early days of the park, showing the types of recreational activities that people used to do there, including sledding. Uh, on the tops of garbage cans and ice skating and skiing and such, and then I think you wanted to tell us a story about Curry Village. One recreational activity that would happen you wanted to talk about at Curry Village. Almost every evening, people would gather around. Tons of spectators. Cars would be parked all over the place. People would come with their picnic blankets and would gather around at Curry Village. Which is just below Glacier Point, and Mr. David Curry would shout up to Glacier Point. What would he shout? Hello, Glacier. And what would the people up at Glacier Point shout? Hello, down there. And then Mr. Curry and all the spectators would shout back. What would they say? Let the fire fall. That's right. Let the fire fall. And they would push off burning fire over the edge, and it would look like instead of a waterfall, a firefall. That was pretty cool. But does that still happen today? No, it's too dangerous. That is too dangerous. It does not happen today. But what does happen today is there's this phenomenon that happens in usually around February. There is a waterfall, and I. Think it might be near El Capitan. I'm not 100 sure, but the angle of the sun makes it look like it's a firefall rather than a waterfall. The sunlight reflecting through the waterfall. So people come, tons of photographers and people come to see that. So that's a pretty cool thing. Anyway, thank you for sharing those stories. Okay, now I'm with my oldest daughter to talk about. Her memories of Yosemite. So, hello. Thank you for joining me. Hi. So, tell me one of your favorite activities that we did at Yosemite. Um, bike riding. That was so much fun. Yeah, you really love to bike ride. Yes. So, do you have any highlights from our bike ride? Yes.、Yeah, so, I remember actually biking to that island. Um, in the art center, that was super fun. I did fall off my bike on the way, but I was okay. And we got to the art center. We did a little art program. That it was fun. That was at Happy Isles. Yeah, 
happy island. And I have to admit, I was very happy. Yeah, it was a happy place. Yes. Yeah, nice. Well, we really enjoyed bike riding, and you guys loved it so much, you insisted we bike ride again the next day. Yeah, that that was fun. You did your first really strenuous hike on this trip, right? Yep. So, what'd you think of that? It was beautiful, but very tiring and hard. It was very interesting, though, and we met Becky Lomax, and we saw many amazing waterfalls. Yeah, the waterfalls were fantastic, and you and your sister really had fun seeing Becky and her friends. Yes. So we had a great time together for a little while up there, and we hiked together a little bit. And we got (laughs) very wet, even after we were past the waterfalls and continued on the hike Starting down the John Muir Trail, there was a spot that we were not expecting. Water there was, was like a huge water, water was pouring down, and there was a huge puddle, just no way to avoid it. And our feet and shoes were soaking wet. Yeah, and a lot of our body parts too. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we dried off. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah, that was really fun. So I think since we're talking about waterfalls, This might be a good time for a joke. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready and waiting. What's a waterfall's favorite season? (laughs) Can I say the answer? I got this one. Um, no. Oh, you want, okay. All right, you tell me the answer. Yeah. Autumn, because another word for autumn is fall. (laughs) I was going to skip ahead and just say fall. Very good. I like that. That was very good. Well done. I also already told you that joke, so... (laughs) (laughs) It'd kind of be cheating. All right. Well, we're not supposed to give away our secrets. Yeah. (laughs) Well, great. Excellent. So I think there was one last thing that you wanted to share, and that is about the giant sequoias. Yes. So giant sequoias are very big and they're really pretty and pretty amazing for trees like them. Um, The pine cones are actually very small. So if you see any very big pine cones about a foot long, do not touch those. They have this stuff in them and it can stain your clothes and it does not come out. So if you see very large pine cones, do not touch those. But the smaller pine cones, those are from the sequoia trees. And those large pine cones, do you happen to remember what tree those come from? Some pine, I think. Yeah, I don't remember what tree, but people often think those come from the giant sequoias because they're so huge. One would think the pine cones must be huge too, but they are not. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about those pine cones? They were pretty cool. Yes, so they have 10 to 20,000 cones and... There's a squirrel, and it really helps the tree, and it can chew up to 12,000 cones a day. It's pretty amazing. And the seeds, and there are like 2,000 seeds, I think. 200 seeds, yeah. Uh, 200. So the trees contain between 10 and 20,000 cones, these really small cones. And it's this squirrel, a particular type of squirrel that you said, the chicory squirrel, chews up to 12,000 cones in one day, which lets out the, the seeds. And what size are the seeds? The seeds are the size of an oat. So just imagine an oat, but a seed. And that's the seeds. Yeah, they look like oats. And there's about 200 seeds in every single tiny little cone. So it's just pretty amazing that these humongous trees have these tiny cones and so many of them. And then this tiny little animal is responsible for helping these giant sequoias reproduce. Yeah. Another thing that is really cool was if you go on the hike in Mariposa Grove, um, you'll see a tree that was uprooted and you look at the roots And it's so crazy. They're so large and spread out. But they don't go that deep into the ground, which is interesting. So that was cool looking at the roots of the tree. 
And I think in our podcast about Mere Woods and Coastal Redwoods, you had a joke. I think you told a joke about red wine and tannins. Yeah. And so is there a similarity with the giant sequoias? Yes. Yeah, so they both have tannins. So that's why these sequoias grow so old and big, because they can survive many, many things like fires, diseases, and other stuff. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. So definitely recommend going to do that amazing hike, the very fun bike ride, and then heading over to the other side to Wawona to see the giant sequoias. I have one more thing to say. If you didn't listen to the last one or you don't remember, the scientific word for a giant sequoia is sequoia dendrum gargantuum. Right. Nice one. And for the other tree? The coastal redwoods, it's sequoia. <laughs> that is super confusing. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing that back. So um, if you want to hear more about the coastal redwoods, check out the episode on Mere Woods. Well, I look forward to the next park we explore together. So do I. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. Send us your stories, tips, or comments to hello at everybodysnps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybodysnps.com. Subscribe for free to Everybody's National Parks on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, become a patron. Just click on support our show on our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com. We also appreciate if you write a review, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends. This helps more people find us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag Everybody's National Parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.